<laughs> I wasn't sure either. Uh, how's everybody doing? Good, good. Mic working okay? I, I connected it, so I'm not sure if it's even working. But uh, so, well, it's, it's good to be here, and and it's kind of funny uh, where. Uh, I shared with Kurt a little bit a few weeks ago of where the message was going, okay? And then it kind of moved over this way a little bit. So there's a little bit of, of change in, in plans. And that's pretty funny because the title of today's message is Sometimes Things Don't Go According to Plan. So. A little appropriate for, uh, for, for that. But uh, the good thing is, and I know you're going to be excited about it, we're going to be talking about planning. We're going to have some spreadsheets up on the uh, monitors here and some Word documents, and it's a 17-point. I'm kidding, okay? So a few of you are like, I think I'm about ready to go. Kids are calling or something. No, we, we are going to talk about planning, um, but it's God's plan. Here, here's the big idea today. The big idea today is sometimes things do not go according to our plan, but do go according to God's plan. Amen? All right. That's it. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. A lot of applause on that one, huh? So... I want to talk about plans for, for a second, and uh, I want to start off by talking about a definition. We love definitions, right? Man, tough crowd today. A plan. This is according to Collins Dictionary. We all have a Collins Dictionary at home? Yes? Webster? Wasn't he a, just a little kid? Webster? Yeah. Smart dude, though. According to Collins Dictionary, a plan is a method of achieving something that you have worked out in detail beforehand. If you plan what you are going to do, you decide in detail what you're going to do, and you intend to do it. Isn't that just a ball of excitement right there? All right. See where this is going. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you. They're tough. They're tough. All right. Let's, let's try this. How many of you uh, went to grade school? We'll stop there. You know, I, I want to try to get some positive flow in here. All right. About a third of us. Okay. All right. Well, back when I went to grade school, we had this little book, and I don't know where it came from. It could have come from Moses. This was paper, though. Uh, it was a little book. It had a little plastic binding, and you open up the page, and there was kind of an envelope as a page, okay? And, and then there was a spot that you could put 
your picture, you know, your school picture, and you would tape it on there. And then there was things to fill out. Like, what are your interests? Who are your friends? Mine was blank. <laughs> but there, there was a place where it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody remember this book? Am I the only one? Oh, okay, all right. They still do that? Some, some yes, some no, okay. Well, I, I remember the, this book, and, and I would write some things on it. Not, not a whole lot, but I would write things on it. But uh, what I find funny about it is this book was screaming, Okay, first grader, what's your plan for your life? I don't know. I don't know. And in mine, in the very early years, I had policemen. How about that? Who would have thought? Give them a gun. <laughs> Give them a gun. But then as... The pages turn probably not too many pages. I think one. Then it became baseball player. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now we're 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 going somewhere. We're tracking with that. But uh, the point to that is, at a very young age, we start to uh, put pressure on ourselves to decide what you're going to be when you grow up. That's a lot of pressure. But think of who, when, when you're at that age, who you come in contact with. And these people that you come in contact with influence you. They affect you in determining the path that you're going to take. For, for instance, as an example, stay with me on this, but how many of you had parents? See, working with the yeses here, you know, kind of, couple, couple are like, you know, I, I don't know. But, you, you know, your, your parents influence you, certainly at that age, as to what you want to be. Now, my dad was a TV repair guy, Howard's TV. That's right, Howard's TV on Friday Street in Pittsburgh. Wait, they closed down a few years ago. Well, so. <laughs> Funny. Friday, Saturday, great. But my, my dad had a TV shop, so I grew up in a TV repair, sales and service type of an environment. That's what I saw. That's what I uh, was involved in at, at a young age. It was a family business, small family business. And, and, and that's what I could see, and that influenced me. So as I was growing up, I would be thinking of, well, is this what I want to be? And, and electronics and, and TVs and, yes, tubes. All right, TV tubes. Who, who remembers 6GH8? Anybody? 25AP22? No, I, I lost them again. Yeah. 6GH8 <laughs> is the little one. 25AP22 is a picture tube. Generally, okay, never mind. Let's move on from there. Uh, but the point is that you know, the, your, what your parents do 
affect you because at a young age, you're limited in what is influencing you, and certainly your parents have an influence on your life. Now, as you extend beyond your parents, your, your family, your extended family. For me, my great-grandfather had a uh, big impact uh, on my life at a young age. Uh, our family was not uh, involved in sports. It, it was not a sports family. There's some families, right up here in the front row, uh, that, that sports is a big part of, of the family tradition and growing up and everything, and that's awesome. Uh, our family was not like that. But my great-grandfather, he loved baseball, okay? And I remember at a very young age going over to, uh, to, to his house, sitting on the couch, listening to the Pirates on KDKA radio. And sometimes, if you're fortunate, TV, okay? And if you're really fortunate, it was in color. All right. But you, you see, family can have an impact, and those that know me know that uh, I was involved in baseball growing up, and it, it was a big part of my life, but I was not a professional baseball player, did not get the professional uh, contracts and make the millions, sorry, I tried. Uh, but be, beyond family, there's um, your, your friends. And you see what's happening here, as a young age, you're influenced by your parents, you're influenced by family, your friends and the world start to have an influence on you, and all trying to get you to decide what you're going to be when you grow up. What are you going to be when you grow up? Matter of fact, when I interview people, sometimes, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, I ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that usually gets a, <laughs> yeah, I'm in college. I, I'm an adult. I know everything. <laughs> okay. That, that's great. Um, but what's missing here? Exactly. You know, I, I want to make this point very, very clear to everyone today, this morning, is that we don't decide what we should be. We discover what we should be. We discover. Why? Because God decides. And it's our fun to discover what God's plan is in our life. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you or set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God's talking to a young Jeremiah, and he, God's sharing, hey, my plan for you is this. And Jeremiah's like, what? He says, hey, before you were even born, I knew you. I knew you. Later on in Jeremiah chapter 29, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, the point I want to make here is that God is saying, for I know the plans I have for you. He knows the plans he has for you. 
Now, God has an assignment for you. Today, and that was my introduction, by the way. How am I doing so far? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, today, we're going to take a, a look at three journeys, three examples, and to see if we can find ourselves in, in these examples. So as, as we read through these, think about your life. Think about what you've been going through. Think about the thoughts that you've had and see if you can identify with, with one or two or, or three or, or all, maybe, in some aspect. How, how's that? Thank you. All right. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're first going to take a look at uh, David. Now, we all know who David is, right? What was another title that he had? Shepherd, and we're going to talk about that part of it, but King David. This is one and the same, Shepherd, David, King David. But at this point in uh, what we're going to read today, he was a shepherd. Now, I want to give a little bit of context so we can understand uh, what's going on here is uh, David's older brothers are uh, on the battle lines with the Philistines, okay? You've got Goliath over there. Remember Goliath? Right? He's, he's yelling things over, and, and the Israelites are over there, and they're, they're a little bit shaky in the knees, and, uh, you know, and David's out tending sheep, and, and his dad says, hey, you know what, why don't you grab some sandwiches? take it up to the guys in the front line. I said, okay, all right. Paraphrasing. Yeah, they weren't Big Macs or anything. But So here, uh, David's dad sends him over to the front lines, and he's going up there, and he sees his brothers, and he's got the cheese and the bread and everything. And, and he's like, who's that guy yelling over there? What's he saying? He's like, what? He's defying God, he's, what is he doing? Why are you guys okay with this? This is not okay. And, and David is, as a, a young lad, he's like, this isn't good. Now, what are we going to do about that? And his brothers were getting all like, oh, okay, David, yeah. yeah just, you, you're getting, you don't get it. And, and what's David do? It's like, all right, well, go over there. I'm going to talk to these guys. So what's the deal here? Uh, he's defying, and he wants to come against, he wants to invite one guy out to fight him, and all right, uh, I'll do it. And they're like, yeah, okay, good boy. Yeah, good, okay. Well, this word gets to Saul, King Saul, and that's where we're going to pick it up here. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting at verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, 
your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, let's... Think about this. Things that you deal with in your life may not make sense at the time, but God may be preparing you and putting in you what you need down the road. Well, what do you mean, Dan? This is what I mean. When David was out tending sheep, he's like, all right, one, two, three, four, what am I doing? Counting sheep, right? Yeah, that's, okay, I give up. Still tough, I thought I had them. I have, no. So David's out there, and th- these wild animals, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, all right, had to. Uh, but these bears, and, and they're grabbing hold of the, the lambs. How many have seen the pictures of the bear in the area? Yeah, isn't that great? We might get to practice some of this. But, okay, so David's out there, and this bear comes after a, a lamb and grabs it. And now David's like, you're not taking my lamb. I'm going after him. Me, I'd be like, did you need salt and pepper with that? Okay. Yeah, no. Lamb chops. Let me start the fire for you, you know. Okay. But David's like, no, that's I have responsibility for that lamb. I'm coming against you. And I'm picturing David fighting this as like, God, what's going on here? A little protection would be nice. God's saying, I'm preparing you for something. I'm preparing you. And he's going after this bear. I'm going like this, like it's a little bear. I don't know. Let's pretend it's a little bear, okay? And he's going after this bear, and in another time, a lion. Uh, I would not want to go against the lion. I'm not crazy about going against the cat, okay? All right. I'm just not crazy about it. They have pointy little teeth and claws. Not crazy about it. But David's going after the, these animals, to get his sheep back. And he's got to be thinking, God, what, what's going on? Why, why am I having to, to do this? Why am I in this situation where I have to fight these lions and, and bears and so on? Why? It doesn't make any sense. But he did it. And here we find, sometime later, he's in a situation where you got Goliath defying the armies of the Lord. And then it starts to make sense. God was preparing me, preparing me to be a warrior. 
I was out with sheep. How do you prepare to be a warrior when you're tending sheep? Sheep aren't necessarily that ferocious. I don't have sheep, but I would compare a lion and a bear and sheep as kind of on different ends of the spectrum. But God was using that situation to prepare David for something down the line. Back in 1991, um, I had... Uh, Creamy twins, some of us know that. Born at 28 weeks, little Cornish hens. And I found myself at that point saying, God, why am I in this situation? I love you. I've pursued you. I don't understand why I'm faced with this situation. It makes no sense to me. But regardless of the situation, Lord, I turn it all over to you. I trust you no matter what happens. You see, that situation brought me to a point to confront, do I trust God or not? And I chose to trust God. I didn't choose to deal with that situation, but through that situation, I chose to trust Him. What are you dealing with? What are the situations and circumstances that you find yourself in that maybe you don't get it? Maybe you don't understand, God, why am I in this situation? Why am I faced with this calamity? Why am I dealing with this? I love you. I've pursued you with all my heart. I don't get it. Maybe, just maybe, He's preparing you for what He's got in store in His plan for your life. Make sense? Amen. That was journey number one. Journey number two. If you have your Bibles still, nobody threw them away, that's good. Acts 22. Acts 22. I'm going to take a look at the life of Saul. Now, Saul has a big life. We're not going to go over his whole life. Uh, in fact, this, this part of Scripture here in Acts 22, this is actually Saul giving a summation uh, of a portion of his life. And that's what we're going to read through here in just a second, uh, as soon as you get there. And this is uh, Saul. He, he went into Jerusalem. Uh, there was an uproar. It seems like everywhere Saul goes, Paul goes, he creates an uproar just by his presence. And, and this was no exception. He was in Jerusalem. There's some folks that, hey, he's bringing Greeks in to the uh, temple here. He can't do that. Oh, I'm so upset and everything. And the big uproar is going on. And now this is uh, Saul, as we know him, Paul, addressing the crowd. And this is what he says, starting in verse 3. I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Sicilia and Cilicia. Butchered that. But brought up in this city 
educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way. That's what they called the Christian, the, the way. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. As the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness, from them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told that is appointed all that is appointed for you to do. And, and since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know this, to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Let's talk about Saul for a second here. Saul had a plan. He decided early on in his life that he was going to be a Pharisee. And, and, and the Bible says he was going to be the Pharisee of Pharisees. He got under the best teacher, Gamaliel. He was the best. Paul was on his way. He was learning everything. He was the grade A student. He was going in a direction. He was on his way to be as religious as anybody around. He was the goat, greatest of all time, right? That's what he's picturing in his mind. And he's going to be zealous for God and, and, and this thing that the way, he's going to go after them because he is so religious that he's going to, he's going to lead the charge against this uprising, this way thing. So he went after them in Jerusalem. And he's going after them and there's people afraid and he's, he's grabbing them, throwing them in prison, having people killed. And, and he got bored, ran out of people. You know, he's like, hey, I'll go to Damascus and I'll go get some there. 
Give me some letters. Give me, give me the authority to do that. I've got the religious authority to go after them. He had his plan, his path. He was on his way. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. And his plan changed. Sometimes we may have decided a path as we talked about early on. We've decided. But that wasn't God's plan. That was our plan. Sometimes when you have that encounter with Jesus, dare I say all the time, when you have that encounter with Jesus, your plans can change. Saul's plans changed. Going in this direction. Now, he's wondering. Just picture yourself having that experience of Jesus knocking you off your donkey. I didn't say any funny words there. And having that conversation said, hey, uh, yeah, you're not going to go after them anymore. Matter of fact, you're going to find us really funny. Uh, you're going to have more of a positive impact for them than you ever did against them. What would be going through your mind? What would you be thinking if you were Saul? But I've, I'm, I've decided to do this. This doesn't make any sense. I've, I'm on this path, but I am confronted with the truth of this Jesus and okay. Imagine the wrestling in those moments of his life. Everything that he'd done up to that point was taking him in a direction. And now the plan's changed. It's now being aligned with what God has decided, not what man has decided. Back in the uh, late 90s, uh, oh, by the way, in about uh, oh, three weeks or so, August 2nd, we'll be married 24 years. Huh? How about that? One. <laughs> but back in the uh, mid to late 90s, I had a plan. I was studying uh, in, in the Assemblies of God. I heard, I heard a woo. All right. Any other woos? Woo. Two? God's moving. I got three, four, five. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, no, no O's. Uh, I was studying in, in AG and uh, their coursework and, and I had gotten the curriculum and I had started and I was rack, racking down the A's and yeah, liking this, this is good. And then some situations I didn't expect. You see, I had a path and I had it all planned out. If you know me, I like plans. So changing plans... 
you know, don't really excite me all that much, but I was going in a certain direction and I had it planned out. I'll go level one, finish that, level two, uh, I, I'll get the credentialing, there's a credentialing process you go through and go two and then finish level three, then move right in to the assemblies and uh, you know, moving that. I had it planned out, except something happened. Back in the late 90s, I got divorced. And being somebody that got divorced, you could not get credentialed in the Assemblies of God. God, what's going on? I was pursuing you. I had this planned out. I had everything set. He said, that's the problem. Listen to me. What I found myself doing is I took a step back and I said, God, I trust you. You've never let me down. All my plans, I will lay down. I will step back. And if it's whatever it is that's of you, rise it back up. And it wasn't too long after that, a year or two, as the Bible says, like a fire shot up in my bones. I felt God stirring in my soul. I felt the, the fire of God's Word in my bones. And I knew I had to pursue what didn't make sense in my mind. And God said, you will finish your training in level one. But God, who's been here, but God, don't you know that I can't get credentialed because of that situation? Like I'm informing him. Again, leaning towards my path. He's like, do this. All right, I did it. And I said, okay, go to level two. Level two. I said, okay, stop. Now what? He said, now listen to me and follow me. See, sometimes we decide what our path is going to be. And we allow maybe family and friends and, and everything to influence us. But we have to be tuned into God because it's His plan. It is His plan. And we are to discover what that plan is for our life. And you don't do that when you're disconnected from him. You need to be connected. When Saul was on the road to Damascus, there was a divine appointment there. And Jesus had that conversation. And Jesus made that connection. And Paul's plans changed. How many of us have plans Maybe right now that are in a certain direction. But maybe God's telling you, knocking on special effects. God's telling you, I want you doing this. Maybe 
Maybe that's you. Maybe you see a little bit of that. This is the third and final little story, and this is a little bit shorter. Waiting for a big amen. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, we're going to uh, just read a few verses here starting at verse 13. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. Notice the detail here. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a, a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold... I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Okay, We're, we're pretty familiar with the story of uh, Noah and Noah's Ark. But here, here's what I want you to think about in this situation. God may call you and tell you to do some things that seems a little crazy to your friends and family. Picture this. Hey, uh, next door neighbor Noah, how you doing? I see you cut your grass today. Good job. It's three inches high. I was from a certain area, and you had to have your grass a certain height. If not, you will hear about it. So, hey, uh, what, what, I see you building something. What, what you building over there? Oh, you're building an ark. Huh. What for? Uh, well, we're building an ark. God told me to. God told me to build an ark in the backyard here. Is working on it. It's going to be a big boat. Really big boat. Oh, yeah? What's, what's going to happen with that big boat? Noah, you're nuts. You're crazy. What? Oh, my God. In the ridicule that comes on. Now, where was Noah? God said to do it. I'm going to do it. And he kept doing it. And the friends and the people down the street, <laughs> see that crazy man up there building that boat? He's nuts. God said to do it. He stayed faithful. And he did it. What has God told you to do that you know in your heart that you need to do it? Well, people were saying I'm crazy, and, 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 but God told you to do it. Maybe you're a truck driver. God 
said, you're going to be a pastor. That's crazy. Don't you understand? Would you have predicted that guy over there to be a pastor? Nope. <laughs> but God said, yeah, this truck driving thing, yeah, you're going to be a pastor. What's God telling you? Maybe you are in one career. God is calling you to another. But be faithful in God's timing. What if uh, Noah was like, well, you know, I'll get to it. I'll get to that boat. I got a little few other things I want to get taken care of first. No, you got to build a boat. Well, I'll get to it. Got to do it in God's timing. Today's big idea, as we said earlier, is sometimes things do not go according to our plan, but do go according to God's plan. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Let me encourage you today. Maybe you find yourself like David, in situations that just don't make sense at the time. But God could be preparing you for what's down the road. Or maybe you're like Saul, and you've got your plans all set. And then there's an encounter with Jesus, and all your plans kind of go to the wayside. Or maybe you're like Noah, where God's told you, and you believe God with all your heart. You know in your knower of knowers. But people are making fun of you. Oh, you go to that weird church down the street. Oh, uh, we understand. I heard they run around that church with tennis shoes. and Just a rumor. But God can use all these situations for good. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what the plan is. Maybe you feel like you were just wandering through life. I don't really see the relevance for David, Saul, or Noah. Wandering through. Well, there is a first step. That's a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, closing with this, is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. I don't know everybody's heart that's in this building today. What I'd like to ask everybody to do, whether you're saved or whether you're not yet saved, if you feel God tugging on your heart, I'm going to pray a prayer here 
and I'd like you to repeat it. For those that are saved, I want you to repeat it as well. Let's do this. Everybody pray together. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus to be Lord of my life. Now and forevermore. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus died for my sins and that you raised him from the dead. I say with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. According to your word, Father, I'm, I'm now saved, forgiven, and born again. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as the praise team plays here, the altars are open. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it in your heart, there will be people available to come pray with you. If you just need some alone time with God, the altars are open. Amen.